3: This place right here, this 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 skull between my ears, that
1: is a bad neighborhood. And I am I should not be in there alone. I need I can't be in there by myself. What are you talking about? It just you just you just got, it's insane. Crazy, it's crazy in here. This is a bad place for me to be by myself. And so when I'm in that, like, I get I my whole life gets thrown off. Like if I'm in there, like I don't say nice things to myself. Like there's another chester in there that's like wants to take me down
2: What up everybody and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses.
4: Yeah, man, I mean, I I gotta get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the goods, I'm telling you right now. So listen, You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. This week it is not Kel Danz being old man Andreas Hale. Instead, he is at Comic Con living it up. I'm still in Vegas chilling. So I invited Brett Lawson, friend of the podcast, back. It's been a while. Yeah, since
1: October, I believe. It's been too long, man, too long. So you, I mean, been... I'm in person now. Last time I was on the phone.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy because now you're a big-time producer. You don't got time to come on the Corner Podcast. <laughs> you know, down there at the South Point every day, working with the greats of the greats in the world of radio and, uh, you know, trying to hot-shot the podcast. It's okay. We got you back on this week. Happy to be uh, here. Um, it's great. Good stuff to talk about. a ton of combat sports stuff to talk about. but as always, we got to touch on stuff outside of the realm of combat sports. And first, RIP goes out. Chester from Lincoln Park. Um, man, sad, hung himself. It appears suicide. It's something that we really never want to see. Some people who are just so great, so talented musically, and you grow up and you attach yourself to their music and their message, and then to be gone at 41 kind of sucks. Um, and obviously, he dealt with his problems with drugs and alcohol. But still, to see him go this early, um, take his own life, it, it's rough. So I to say R.I.P. there. Do you have any Linkin Park songs that you like? Like, specifically, like, which songs... For them, did you really just be like, okay, that's that's my song? I
1: was never necessarily the biggest Linkin Park fan. In fact, most people listening will probably roll their eyes. Between like that that whole crop of that type of music, when that rap rock new metal, whatever you want to call it, fusion started coming out. I actually like Limp Bizkit a little more. I was a little more partial to those type of groups. And I know, yeah, you're freaking out just by oh, me saying yeah. that. But I did always think Linkin Park had a cool element to their sound, and I think more so aside from just being a fan of specific albums or specific songs they were always congruent and parallel you know with me growing up I'm, I'm a few years younger than you so they were really there in those uh prime adolescent years if you will like but even tracks like numb you know that were just so they, they, they resonate so much with you because they, they were just always around and you know the football locker room the, the remix with the jay-z encore like there was always Linkin park playing around whether it be their their big time hits their lesser known stuff And I'd say Numb would probably be my favorite track just because it was the one, again, that resonated the most with me. And it's honestly because I love it so much. I think it is a good song, but again, it was kind of just that it's almost like a background white noise. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean more so that it was always relevant because for the longest time, Linkin Park was relevant. And, you know, during their later years, obviously they weren't as popular as they were in the past, but they truly were a generational act. Yeah, I mean, for me, Linkin Park was high school.
2: It was, I think it was like eighth grade, all throughout high school. I remember when you know their albums first dropped, and it was like, "Wow, who are these guys?" And Hybrid Theory came out, and it was like, "This is." And there was the Limp Bizkit of the world, the Sum Forty Ones, everyone who's trying to you know blend the hip hop rock. Corn were, Korn were the originators of it, really. You corn was dope. Corn yeah. was more heavy metal right. than hip hop rock. Right. Right. Um, man, there's there's some dope. Groups out there that mixed it though, that that was just fire. And um, I still think Lincoln Park just had something so different because their singer could really carry it. Like their singer could be lead singer in any rock band you wanted at the time. And
1: that's the one thing that almost stood out to me where other like rap rock groups had the same front man doing both. Whether it could carry a melody or not, he was up there. Whether it be rapping or singing, here they kind of had it separate, to where you had the the singing more melodic delivery, and then you had more of the, the rapping flow.
2: Yeah, and they blended it so well. It was they were a group. It was a great group. Uh, man, just some of my favorite songs. In the is dope, but Somewhere I Belong was always cool to me. Yeah, Breaking uh, the Habits, is probably my favorite one. Numb is dope. Like I said, they didn't those first two albums. They didn't miss. Whether it was a single, whether it was album filler, they didn't miss at all. Everything was dope. Everything was good. And I'm going to be playing Linkin Park for like the next week just because (laughs) now it's fresh again in my head. And uh, it's crazy to think that he's gone. And you never want to see people you grew up listening to go before their time.
1: It's even still hard like, you know, the old school hip hop acts we look at. Well, I mean, I was there for Prodigy in his last performance just a few weeks ago, so that hit me like a brick wall. Not only is the fact I'm a huge fan; he's one of my all time favorite lyricists, but this, it's almost an honor to know that I was there for his last performance. Now, obviously, that you wasn't me, that right? Wasn't after something, it. Yeah, of you course, that, that wasn't Mob something D killed it, right? And I, that wasn't something I predicted. You know, him and Havoc—they opened that outstanding lineup down uh, down in downtown Vegas, the Art of Rap Festival. I'm so excited to see Mob deep they do an absolutely unbelievable set. A few days later, it's revealed that he's passed away, and we knew Prodigy battled sickle cell anemia for pretty much his entire life, but to think that he was struggling with it while in Vegas, and and put on an amazing show while doing, put on an amazing show like, while doing it, you would have never known he was struggling with his health, and what, two, three days later after that performance, he was gone. Always crazy. Always crazy when these things sneak up on you. So, uh, once again,
2: RIP Chester. Next, we have to go on to the other hot topic kind of circulating around. I'm actually tired of this topic, working in the newsroom all day. Everything was OJ, OJ, mm-hmm. OJ, OJ. All right, man, the juice is loose. No, there the, it throw, is. Throw the pun out For the 80,000th time today. It never gets old. Uh, he's not running through an airport right now, but he's he's surely running through his jail cell going like, I'm out of this right now. He's chilling. These two months are going to fly by for OJ. Uh, he should get out around October 1st. Mm-hmm. The question is, me, I thought he had too much time for a a robbery. He didn't even get to rob the person, really. (laughs) Uh, It was his stuff. Like, it it made no sense. But it always seemed to me like they were like, you know you killed Nicole. Like, come on. Like, OJ, the glove didn't fit. But you were off your medication. Like, come on, let's be real. Like, we we know what's going on here. So they tried to throw the book at him afterwards. We're younger than a lot of people who went through it, I'm sure. Old man Andreas has a different perspective of the case and everything else. Everything was going on and was so huge to him. And he was so much older when it was happening that he has a a more worldly perspective on it. I remember being in school, like a young kid when it was happening. um, And knowing about it, but not really knowing about it. It's cool to see all the documentaries come out, revisit it. And uh, you know what? I thought he was guilty when I was younger just because, you know, that's what I thought. Now looking back at everything... He was damn sure guilty. He killed us. <laughs> like I ain't changing a damn thing about it. He killed him. Like there's,
1: there's no ifs ands or buts. OJ, you got away. And I think the most amazing thing about this ongoing OJ saga is just the, I guess you could say, the power of retrospect. You know, and obviously in the initial moment in the mid '90s, now opinions were Opinions would immediately jump to that as well. But it's funny to see how things have transpired. Again, we're younger. You were. Uh, what A couple years old or not a couple of, I was a couple years old. I don't even know how old you were at the time. I was five. I think. So it's a lot harder to comprehend those type of things. I think the most amazing thing about the OJ, just again this OJ saga is that even when it's a completely different offense, it almost still runs parallel because people ultimately felt that justice wasn't served for the initial <laughs> offense. So I think even with what we've all that we've heard today, with the armed robbery in the past eight to nine years, um, being incarcerated, what is the main topic of conversation? It's still those two dead people. He's always going to kill them.
2: Like, that's, that's always it. Um, it's crazy to see that that's always the narrative, and it's going to stick with him forever. Side note, though, OJ looked pretty good. He looked in decent health. Like, he looked better now than when he was out. Prison, like, prison did for him what it did for Gucci Mane. He was coming out like a, just a whole different person. He was on the prison workout or something, doing his
1: push-ups, um, eating good. Obviously, his skin looks clear. He looks like he's fifty again. But does I, the, again, does it really matter if that image is and if that image and those opinions are always going to surround him? I feel like it's it's just when you, the you when penalty. you see, well obviously but when well I, in that sense but you see him smiling you know you see the smirks that you saw back in. Back in the day, sitting next to Johnny Cochran, and you see it. You see it now. It's kind of just the same thing. Like deep down, again, judged by what we and so many others believe, this guy is guilty for absolutely heinous crimes, and he still, in a way, seems like he's not showing any form of remorse. No,
2: he's showing happiness. He's exactly, showing exuberance. Glee. Every time he's like, "Man, I spent eight years in prison, but I ain't dead though. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, in the grand scheme of life, I got away with the big one." I'm happy as hell. Yeah. And he's and now I'm and
1: now I'm done dealing it's uh, just serving the time for the not so big one. Yeah, he's say. supposed to come out to
2: a $2.4 million pension mm-hmm. and he's gonna hit the ground running. Like it it doesn't matter. He's 70. I I expect him to have a 45-year-old, 46-year-old girlfriend, fake boobies, like playmate style. And he's gonna live it up. Yeah. In his last couple years. So watch out, Calabasas. OJ is out. He's coming, you might live in Florida now, wherever, Daytona Beach, you're a nice uh alabaster-skinned woman, OJ is on the prowl.
1: Well, let me ask you this, alright, he's out now, who knows how many years he has left anyway, but the whole, he did it, he didn't do an argument. Did I'm asking you, because I'm curious to see what, what you have to say, do you think that picks up even more so now, now that the fact he is actually a free man, or soon to be a free man, on the streets again? Or do you think that will always ultimately be associated with him? And obviously, the, the the case will be associated with him. But do you think that argument will continue to be so one-sided? Yeah, I think so. I do anyway, too.
2: I think he, he's going to be out of the limelight. As soon as he gets out, it's going to be a non-story. And he's going to be out. He's going to be living his life. So you're
1: saying it was more of a story while he was incarcerated. Oh, yeah. Even though he was incarcerated ultimately for Correct. a different offense.
2: Because before he robbed the people... He
1: was kind of fading to black. Yeah.
2: He was going away. Like, it was whatever. No one cared about what OJ was doing in his day-to-day life. In,
1: like, the early 2000s. Yeah, like, like,
2: OJ was a non-factor. And then he gets, you know, arrested, sent to prison. And then now we see the documentaries come out a year ago, Mm -hmm. two years ago. Why? Because he was coming up for parole. He was about to be a big story. It became a topic again. It became a topic. There was anniversaries of things. And, you know, it's been, like, 20 years. So they started gearing up these things again. But if it wasn't for that, then No. He'll be a non-topic at all until he croaks and dies, and hopefully leaves a memoir saying "I did
1: it." But, and then he got a bull- and he, but even that—that that will provide some kind of culmination. Whether he does that or not, either way, the time OJ, you know, is the, when OJ's time on this earth is finished, that will provide some form of culmination to this whole narrative. You know what the craziest shit is?
2: Is that he played football and played it at a very physical level, at a very physical position. The best ever. And he's living till seventy years old. Yeah, he, he like. Like CTE and all that wild shit granted it may have led him to kill people. Oh, who knows? We'll know when he croaks and he donates his brain. But given all that, he's fairly healthy. You make it to 70 as an NFL player in his day and you can walk around. You're not like Jim Brown in it, like dragging one leg and stuff. You you did alright for yourself. Well that's
1: what was always so popular about him when he retired and went into broadcasting, went into television, and all these different things. He had the appearance, he had the he had the swagger, if you will, the whole get up. Yeah. He wasn't hindered by anything in his in his past despite playing at an extremely physical position and carrying the load for those Buffalo teams that had absolutely nothing. Other than yeah, him and the USC team, and, too, yeah, right? and, the, and that that cold, you know, that cold weather, those brutal conditions, and he was able to come out in a way clean on the other side and maintain that popularity. and just became a, a phenomenon, a national celebrity. So I think in a way that's always been OJ's mo, which is in a way what makes it ironic because the darker side of him is covered is covered up yeah. by that, at least on the surface, until you know the white Bronco chase and everything that came after it. Then it became revealed, and now it was more of a Whose side are you taking? Did he or did he not do it? But for the longest time leading up to that, it was more so clean-cut OJ.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be that. Like he said, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Right. And he always thought he was above that and above the law and his own set of rules. And We see it again. Unanimous vote mm-hmm. for parole. Not one person nope. was like, we should keep his ass in here. So, man, when the guy that you rob comes through and testifies that you should be out, you're doing something. You're... He is one of the luckiest men to walk this earth, Spending eight years in prison or not. He could have got a lot worse. Um, that's, listen, we covered the circus. All right, how about yeah, you, that? Yeah, I
1: mean, you could go on and on, because people have been now for decades. Yeah, so, so there's no end to this, again, until, like you said, he croaks.
2: Yep, watch the Netflix documentaries, watch everything else. Now let's move on to a whole different circus, a whole different shit show at this moment, the UFC. No. Let's just be real. It's not good for the UFC right now. Um... They put a lot into Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. That's going to bring in some numbers. We don't know how much they're getting a cut of just yet. But we do know that UFC 213, which should be their flagship program, bombed. One of the worst pay-per-view rates ever reported 125,000 pay-per-view buys. It's, as, I think the only thing lower has been pay-per-views headlined by Mighty Mouse. Lo and behold, they announced another pay-per-view headline by Mighty Mouse today. <laughs> and it's just not good. He's going to headline 250. You start looking around like, John Jones and DC better deliver with you know a good promo package, but very little promo outside of that because everything's been McGregor. Yeah. McGregor, McGregor, McGregor. So DC and John Jones
1: is your only hope to sell something this summer. That shit better go through. And two of them traditionally aren't huge draws anyway. They yeah. are As great as they are, world-class competitors, one of the best robberies you will ever see. And if you want a world-class light heavyweight matchup, obviously you are going to get that. But let's not act like these guys blew up pay-per-view numbers either, at least compared to some of the the big-time draws we've seen in the the recent past. But you look at USC 213, given its time placement, that Midsummer card, that July card, International Fight Week, two years in a row now. And what, uh, 2015, it it was arguably their best card ever. yeah. USC 189. 189 was still
2: snake baiting because it was Aldo McGregor T- world tour T- T- and M- but it- Aldo bounced in ten days.
1: Okay, maybe on paper, but the result was one of the greatest, if not some would say the greatest card of all time. Oh, so it undoubtedly. But how over. much better would that have been if Connor would have knocked out Aldo in thirteen oh. seconds at 189? It would have been the greatest card ever. Absolutely, but it's already in the debate simply because of what we saw happen in the cage. The past. Two cards being 200 and 213 haven't delivered. And not only have they not delivered, they have the card that took place after them, uh, in last year's sense, or two cards after, I should say, in 202, that being an outstanding card, at least an outstanding main event. And 214 obviously hasn't happened yet, but on paper, it's a good, it's a damn good one. So that's two years in a row now where it's better. The, where what UFC 2 uh, 200 should have been almost was 202, and what you think UFC 213 should have been is 214. So you're thinking, why is it all topsy turvy? Shouldn't this be switched? It's like no, because this wasn't intended. They kind of just you know screwed up and fell into this hole and could not dig themselves out of it. Vegas is cursed.
2: What? Huh? We're about to. I mean, man, you can't you can't even fathom that three years in a row you lose a main event or a change to a main event. Mm-hmm. Three years. And next year, everyone's just going to be sitting there waiting, waiting for something to go back, no matter who you put in it. And then, of course, the next Vegas card, or excuse me, two Vegas cards from now, should be the end of the year. And rumors come out who they want to be on the card. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Did we not just see him fail two drug tests? And then, you know what? Okay, Brock Lesnar, do you want him to go against Bay for the heavyweight title? Do you want him to be a legit champion again? No, who cares about that? They want him to fight John Jones, who's never competed at heavyweight. Give him not a tiny heavyweight, not a reasonably sized heavyweight. Give him one of the biggest heavyweights of all time. A guy who cuts from 300 to sit 265. He, has a, he has
1: a damn anvil as a head.
2: Yo, it's just, it's crazy. It's nonsense. And they act like John Jones is a drug. Honestly, you put him in against Stipe, you put him in against John Jones, probably the same exact numbers. Uh, maybe a smaller push for John Jones, but he, the guy doesn't sell. He doesn't talk trash. I, I don't like the matchup. The best thing for them is if they put Steve A versus Kane Absolutely. In, in October. They announced the September card already, which we touched on. If they put them in October and you hope for a quick turnaround, you hope Kane wins, you hope for the quick turnaround, and you get Brock versus Kane
1: again for the belt. What about? At least that's the storyline. Damn near a, a decade, decade later, later. You can sell that shit, unreal. though. Unreal. You, can sell, you that. can sell it like it's nobody's business, especially with the returning Brock Lesnar after uh, t- uh, drug testing controversy yes. and, fa- and failures. And like what, another another stint, another go-around, going at it for the heavy... what One of the greatest heavyweights of all time and the guy who pretty much booted you out from your run? Not pretty much, most definitely booted him out. Obviously, Overeem was really the, the final straw that broke the camels back in that first Lesnar run, but Kane was the one that ended that Lesnar regime. So now you just think what could that possibly offer now? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care how cool it may sound to the people, like, who think, oh, Brock Lesnar's back, he's fighting Kane again. Literally, that sentence is all I can muster up. What other than that is interesting? Like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a cynic here. Because no, hey, you should be. Everyone yeah, should yeah. be cynical. Brock Lesnar should not be an octagon. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> and that's it. It has nothing to do with the appeal. Hey, if,
2: if we you are, find the silver lining or good part of that right. sentence, you're as fucking crazy hey as the UFC and WME is. Coming. The
1: fight game is characters. The fight game is narrative. The fight, the, these, I mean, May, Mayweather McGregor. The, all the cynics there. I'm not a cynic on that. There are so many things in that I want to see, even though it's completely one-sided, as I'm sure you uh, you and Andreas have elaborated on plenty in the past couple of weeks and will in the uh, build-up to August 26. This is different, though. What is Lesnar going to bring to the table in the octagon? Uh, the gets, only
2: thing you bank on is his big-ass win. That's it? And he can, for some reason, lay on John Thomas. And do not
1: use Mark Hunt as an example. No. Because with everything that came into play with that, you can't
2: use that him. as an example. Well, you got to let Lesnar be juiced to the gills. You, I mean, there's, <laughs> like, you hide that shit. Listen, you help him cheat you, Usada. I don't care. Like, you you run his piss every night. Okay, see, the fact you have to
1: say that is already a sign that it's a problem. It's I mean, an issue. issue. And it, 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 you can't let it him can't be happen. non-juiced Lesnar. Okay, but you... But you what happened? That's a good point. That is actually is a good point. That, Juice because Juice Lesnar against Hunt, what's it bad? Because Juice Lesnar against Hunt, what, what taking him down? Juice Lesnar versus top.
2: Hunt is better than Derek Lewis, and I thought Derek Lewis was one hell of a fighter before that Hunt. So started fight. everybody. And Derek Lewis couldn't do shit against Hunt, and Brock Lesnar made Hunt look like he was easy money. Yeah. So Brock...
1: Full-blown smothering him from top position all
2: the time. Juice Brock is still a top four. Top three heavyweight in the UFC?
1: i got to pull up the rankings. So, so, but, so, so, here, so what we're doing is juice are best like that allow legit Lesnar, e, a.k.a. Juice Lesnar, to go at it with Kane again. But if the juice isn't there, don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. That's essentially it. Yeah, because well, the only way it's, forget competitive, the only way it's halfway, I guess you could say, bearable or watchable, is if he was on the juice. Correct. I mean... Like, you talk about a hypothetical... No I mean the
2: hypothetical is not whether or not he's on the juice. No no he's it's more, so would the they, juice.
1: It's more so would they yeah would they allow Would him they to allow it message? and make it a part of their I guess you say promotional uh, method. Correct. It's like you know it's, he's going to be on the juice. If Lesnar <laughs> comes back,
2: he is going to be on the juice. The question is, do you try to do everything like you did last time, allow him to enter the program late, allow him to you know maybe not get as many drug tests and he still fucked it up. not once. He messed up before the fight and still tested positive after the fight. Like, he doesn't even care to mask that
1: shit. Now you got to mask it for him. It, it's just a, do you think, if anything, it's just a desperate plea to get some attention and excitement back yeah. around that division? No, yeah, around that. the promotion. And So you legit think that this is a result of everything. The downfall of Rousey, the possible uh, departure of Connor in the near future. All the top draws basically dwindling as of late, and we need something, so we're going to go to our biggest draw in what, 09 in 2010, essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he drew a little bit at 200. If you give him a legit fight candidate, people may just watch to see what else, because people did tune in for Brock. You make it a complete shit show. You go Bellator 101. (laughs) You put CM Punk on that pay per view card again versus I don't give a fuck who. Let someone kick his face off. But you go CM Punk. Make it a show. Make it a show. Brock. um, You give one legit fight. That's it. One. And you choose which one you want. At at that point, I don't even know who's coming up. Joanna would have fought already. Um, Maybe Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. But that's not even a legit one either, because she's gonna fucking run through somebody. <laughs> but you're gonna give sides? Come on, no one's gonna fight cyborg.
1: Ju- Juice Brock and cyborg. Yeah, yeah.
2: that's what a crazy dinette. 2017. Right. Um, <laughs> would die for that card in like 2009, 2010 though. Brock going for a championship title and cyborg wrecking shop on the same card. MMA fans would have loved that shit. Um, now it's kind of like hmm. yeah, you ask
1: Frank Mir and Gina Carano about cyborg and Brock, they probably <laughs> would have given you a much different opinion than you know if you're asking. Alistair Overeem. Obviously, you can't say that for Cyborg, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy that they're even entertaining this. And shout out to Ryan McKinnell, uh, Reverse Rat Pack, friend of the podcast, too. He told us this when we were at UFC what was it? 213. Yes, he can't remember. No, it was at UFC 213 he told us this and we laughed. We laughed at him. We're like, get the fuck out of here. He's like, no, I have a source. This is really what's happening right now. And he's like, you know, I don't have multiple sources to confirm it, so I'm not going to do anything with it. But just when it breaks, remember that I told you. You're like, all right, whatever. And then the shit started coming out this week, and we're like, Small so Hugger Ryan is right. Like, ain't, ain't this something? And then Jeremy Potter's reporting and all this stuff, and he was before all of them. And we laughed. And he also said, from what he heard, Brock is going to get 16 and 16. 16 the show, 16 if he wins. Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy. Now, can Brock go 25 minutes with John Jones? I think he dies. I think we see with just having a fatal. Rest in peace.
1: But it's just, it's not good. It's not a good formula. Of course it's, it's just, not a good formula. The fact we're reaching about this and trying to make this a convers—a topic of conversation shows it's it. not a good formula. Of course we do because it is fun to at least ponder, but the fact that we're trying to think of all these possible scenarios shows it's not a good formula because it's very hard to believe they could do this effectively.
2: All right, so currently i put Brock at six because he'd have to be above Mark Hunt. Um, UFC rankings. There is Junior Dos Santos at f- four. Well, five is Francis and who I think is going to be the champion sooner or later. Yeah. Um, Brock would him. die against Francis, so I can't put him that high. Junior Dos Santos, I'm not sure. JDS has been a little shaky, mm-hmm. so I might take Brock. Uh, but JDS's hands also says yeah, the, Brock,
1: bo- the boxing. The boxing. The boxing. Yeah. The boxing, I mean, yeah.
2: Brock doesn't like to get hit. Jr. probably puts him to sleep. Yeah. He's not beating Kane. I don't <laughs> care how injured Kane is. Um, Fabricio.
1: No. He's not beating Fabricio. He's not beating Fabricio. I Fabricio's still at two. I was actually thinking that same thing as you were going down the, the little rundown. Right Can the UFC too.
2: update this shit? Can we put it? Yo, UFC. Come on, man. Get Get away from Connor for a second. Update your rankings. But Brock her, the still
1: point to... stands. He's not. He's not. Brock might.
2: Brock might beat the latest version of Fabrizio.
1: Fabrizio hasn't looked good at all. He hasn't. But that's still a stretch to me. And Reem. Reem probably knocked Brock Ream out. Reem destroys Brock. Destroys yeah, Brock. I think so. Yeah, I
2: think it might it's be easy like, to jump I, off. I of want to be.
1: I want to be contrarian. Yeah. Just because it's Reem. Exactly. And his jaw is... And that's a fucking real. super Because it's easy to be contrary with yeah. Reem. Because it's it's easy to doubt him at
2: this but point. But you got to be on your feet. And Reem is going to just fucking Muay Thai knee Brock yeah. Lesnar to death. Um, you're yeah. right. So, Brock... But still, this is the UFC. Rush him to the title picture. If he wins, you cash out. Because you get two good Brock Lesnar fights. If he loses, well, it was worth a try. Hey, Same thing they did with Ronda, though, right? Rush him to the title picture again. If she beats Amanda... We're cashing out. She gets Molly Waps. That's it. Oh it. Wow. go have babies. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Charles Brown still getting Molly whop. They just let people. They don't care. They let people get. What have randy. you done for me lately? That is it. And then we'll see what happens with Connor when he comes back, and if he's the same. And it'd be real shitty if feed him Khabib
1: first, and he just gets wrestled. <laughs> I for that. was thinking that the other day too, because that that's a big part of this conversation as a whole with May, Gregor going down. It's also where obviously we know where Floyd goes from here. Where does Conor go from there? And obviously, with the return to the UFC, at what division, at what, on what stage, what opponent would that be against? And people, I think, have been for for at least since he won that uh, lightweight crown in November, people want to see Khabib Connor. And the thought we have uh, in in great detail, we've broken that fight down, and I don't see a single way that would be wise for Conor McGregor. No, I think I always thought Khabib would beat him, but. I'm
2: not sure. Well, because given the the, the illness and the weight, yeah, like can he make conditions? the weight? Right, right. Can he, uh, you know, just have that stamina still? He's been able to ground everyone. What
1: happens if he can't ground Connor? But see, that's the thing. You said you said just a few months ago. There's no way he doesn't ground Connor. So you've had, the second doubts are really coming from so, what we've seen recently. Yeah, it, it changes because Connor's run through Eddie. Mm-hmm.
3: Connor.
2: What do you,
1: because you told oh. me you told me, you think he'd tear through Ferguson as well.
2: Yeah, because that's a straight stand-up fight. Yep. I mean, Ca- the counter game. Yeah, I saw, I've seen Tony get rocked by lesser fighters right. than McGregor. No, um, I think Tony, I'm not picking Tony at all during that fight, but Khabib has this specific skill set. But you've got to stand up five times. Mm-hmm. And if you're not conditioned, he'll knock you out in the fourth, he'll knock you out in the fifth. And Khabib has a tendency to want to play with his food instead of eating it. So he'll ground you. But he won't do
1: enough to get the finish. Yeah, he won't finish, you. Yeah. But, he, but he takes a whole hell of a lot out of you. Yeah. He's but, just that, hey, it. but Connor but gets he's right back, back so, up. Yep. So did Chad Mendes. We thought yep. Chad Mendes was taking and a lot just out of like, Connor.
2: He's like, yo, we got to stand up sooner or later. Right. And you got to eat this left hand. And you may be fresh as hell in the first and you can eat a few of these. But by the third, you're going to be tired. I'm going to be tired. But this left hand is still going to be strong. Fair. And you're not going to eat it.
1: No, it's fair. I still think it's a bad matchup for Connor, but at the same time, ever with everything that's gone on as of late, I also haven't really uh, thought thought on it too much yeah. lately. I haven't really analyzed it, I guess you could say, as far as the stylistic matchup. So now it's, I guess you could say, not as fresh in my brain. I'm thinking, to be honest, I think more so uh, with what we saw in, in the past couple of months before obviously the, May, the Mayweather talks really began to heat up, I was thinking more so Woodley. Yeah, it looked like they were gonna to start to push that with the, the beef that was brewing there and Connor planting the seeds to move up. So it, it's actually don't, been don't quite, table that don't yeah, table that. No, 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 but it's been quite some time where I thought Nurmagomedov and McGregor was a realistic uh 155 title bout.
2: Yeah, I think uh I think the smart move would to get would be to give Connor Tony because it's once again a striker. He's coming off of a boxing match, he hasn't done He can say he wrestles still. He can stay. he still does his jits. But he doesn't doesn't devote the time needed to beat a Khabib. And the style matchup between boxing a Floyd Mayweather and then coming in to fight a Khabib is drastic. (laughs) Like, just don't even try that. But a Ferguson would be an easier transition. Let him win that. Khabib, man, you do whatever you got to do, but you got to prove that you stay healthy and just make the weight at this point. Can't throw you into the title fight if you can't even prove you make the weight. So... Tony, you get these hands first, and you hope that GSP beats Woodley in New York in November, and you say next next spring you get Connor GSP welterweight title, run it, and you hope to cash that hell out. You say GSP, you're going to beat Woodley, Connor. That's you so know your hard business. to
1: foresee, though.
2: Everything's so hard to foresee, but shit always goes. Wrong. But
1: it is, but at least sometimes it's easier because you know that guy will be there. Carter and GSP, who knows? GSP, I guess. Well GSP, I guess. But Carter, who knows? After this fight, I'm not holding my breath on anything.
2: No, but the fight has to be worthwhile. What's more worthwhile than a third a chance at a third title versus George St. Pierre? You're going to sell. And Connor's gonna say some wild shit about Saint Pierre. So it he'll sell. That that's his biggest opportunity to max out in the UFC. I, I don't think there's a bigger fight for him in the UFC. Then a welterweight title fight to be the first three division
1: champion against one of the biggest stars against of all one of the biggest
2: stars of all time in TSP, biggest fight possible. And if you're W and me, you start putting the chess pieces on the board.
1: Yeah, I'm not denying it's, it. I'm not denying. I guess you said the spectacle and uh, the drawing, drawing the drawing ability of no, no, doubt. And I'm not denying the drawing ability of that. It's just hard to foresee that happening because Connor just going to the beat of his own drum so much. I think at this point we we know not to. Try to make expect uh, have expectations or make predictions about where he's going to go on a fight to fight basis because he's not even in the sport right now technically. That's true. Uh, before we
2: move on from UFC and actually before we start talking about UFC Long Island card, what do you think of Justin Gaethje versus Eddie Alvarez for the
1: Ultimate Fighter coaches? I love the matchup and just to watch, just to think that they would throw down and. Basically, beat the living hell out of each other. There's no other way for Gage. but <laughs> no, absolutely not. And Alvarez still has one of the best chins in the uh, in the sport. And it's always fun to watch Eddie Alvarez in the throwdown. McGregor like says that, like, true. Says the chin never comes. But then again, most chins uh, don't fare very well against that counter left hook. However, Alvarez still so fan friendly. Gaethje, it's fun as it gets, but they're wasting the guy. They are wasting Gaethje after what we just witnessed him doing that Michael Johnson bout in this tough, um, tough season with Eddie Alvarez as the opposing coach. It's cool. I don't hate the literally the coach on coach uh, package we have here, but I think there are there are plenty, uh, there are several better routes and much better ways to go about it as far as using Gagey into the future. I don't think so. Gaethje's at five right
2: now. UFC rankings debuted makes his debut and jumps right into five and then edison Edison barbosa is ahead of him which is a good fight but i think uh kevin lee draws barbosa next and then you have and barbosa's what name is barbosa still he's on a good run but it's edison barbosa but you have eddie alvarez who's at three mm-hmm. and he's ahead once again you don't want him fighting someone behind him You give him someone ahead of him, Eddie Alvarez, who almost lost his last fight to Poirier, so he is susceptible. He's a guy who will fight. It's going to be a great stylistic fight. And you say he beat someone who was a champion one year ago, and then you can justify him getting a title shot. So you give it
1: it sets up – That I will will say is fair. Just because I think there are potential better routes or there's something maybe I'd rather see, who else would be a route for does Tony give him a better fight yeah, than Eddie? Not necessarily a better fight. I just think that I would do more for Gaethje at this point than coaching the ultimate fighter against Alvarez. However, that may also be an unrealistic expectation, to be fair. So, as far again, but as far as the Alvarez-Gaethje fight itself, I agree with you there. Beating a guy like Eddie Alvarez, who say what you want about him, and that's what that, that's why we and price. that's why revisionist history sucks in this sport. It's easy to take a jab at Eddie Alvarez give, uh, after Conor McGregor tore through him like a wet paper bag. Yeah, let's also not forget that Eddie Alvarez is one of the best lightweight fighters on, on this earth in this past decade. There's no debating that. A world class fighter through and through, everywhere he has gone, and the guy he lost to 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 drop that strap, yeah, pretty damn good in his own right. Might be the greatest. Exactly. At least based off. Might be the greatest
2: MMA fighter under 170. There you go. So, like, I don't care. People can say whatever they want about Dominic Cruz. Yeah. They can say whatever they want about Jose Aldo, who Mm -hmm. got knocked down 13 seconds by him. If you start listing people under 155 pounds, and we go out through the history of the sport. And that's something, you know, I've gone and watched the WECs. I've gone and watched them. Um, we've seen what become a Pettis and all these guys and, B- and Benson Henderson. And I understand BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar and big ups to them in their career. I'm not sure if anyone under 170 has ever been as good as Conor McGregor. Mighty Mouse? Mighty Mouse has been dominant. Mighty Mouse has lost to Dominic Cruz. He was stuck in one weight class. Connor has not yeah, been, I, uh, I'll give you Connor that. Conor went I, up in weight class just like Mighty Mouse was up one weight class. Mighty Mouse couldn't get it done. Mighty Mouse could really it, it done. Yeah, Conor got it done dominantly. I'm, I'm not sure. And people, you know, because his resume isn't as long. He hasn't done it as long. Those guys have longevity. I understand that. Pure talent and just what he's done and the people... At this point, he's running through one of the best lightweights of the decade and arguably the best fighter number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world at that time who hadn't lost like that. I mean, ever his, what, all those first loss was a competitive loss, and then all he ran off all, all the was ten, ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Yep. And he worked them in 13 seconds. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a
1: generational talent, no doubt, and one of the most decorated I'm hard guys. I'm hard-pressed
2: to find someone under 170
1: pounds that's better. You can make the argument. You can make the argument, and hands down, one of the most decorated fighters, regardless of weight class, we have seen in the history of that sport. There's no doubt, but it's also easy to, again, to say that, oh, you know, Alvarez for the Conor detractors and who who haven't been as big on this run um, that we've seen, it's easy to say uh, Eddie Alvarez an inferior opponent. A lot of it also had to do with the fact that Eddie Alvarez, who in many ways was a bad matchup for Conor, tried to stand there and bang. He tried to trade blows. I think the the
2: punch, like, scared him for a second. Like, the punches
1: were coming so fast, he was scared to shoot. So what do you do? And that's the McGregor mystique, if you will. Like how you know when you when you actually start when he starts connecting with those punches and he's flowing, uh, he's throwing those those combos and those counter those counter hooks and he's so fluid and and uh, uh, pres- like crisp in his movement, so precise with his accuracy and pinpoints his punches. But again, look at look at everything we're saying about his skill set right now. Pretty damn good. That doesn't take away from Alvarez, like you said. He may have lost to the goat. Alvarez, still, poor strategy in, going into that fight. I still think he has a lot to offer, and I'd I I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who could honestly tell me they don't want, at least who knows the sport well and has been following it, who, do, who can tell me that they do not want to see Eddie Alvarez throw down.
2: He's, no, a, yeah, he's, I mean, that,
1: he's a world-class fan. I don't care dude. if he loses
2: three fights in a row, four fights in a row. I just want to see him throw down. Like the next guy we're going to talk to, about, Chris Weidman headlining the UFC on Fox Card from Long Island. You know, it's good to have Brett here, you know, showing up for the island um, on the podcast. Chris Wyman. Shakti. <laughs> Rock Wyman. him. Chris Wyman trying to bounce back. Long Island. Long Island, good. Island. Yeah. because I
1: mean, you know, it's like, it's basically. I don't know. A, it's a little it's, brother of Queens.
2: Spin, it's a spit it, it, it distance from Queens. Yeah, it's,
1: it's Queens. It's it's your sixth borough. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's Queens' little brother. As long as and you it, don't keep going out to the tip, in which you get fair, very fair. fancy. And given all the great hip-hop artists that came out of Queens, it's spreading to Long Island. So yeah. the, uh, a plethora of lyrical uh, lyrical prowess.
2: In Long Island. Long yes. Island gets slept on. It does. Long Island and Staten Island. Just don't get the respect. Shaolin. <laughs> Um, so, Chris Wyman, Kelvin Gastelum, headlining the card. We're going to make our predictions. It's actually a pretty good card, Um, from the bottom up. It has some potentials for finishes. Uh, the prelim card is like, yeah, okay. Um, but, once again, it's guys who can finish fights. That's all you can ask for on a free card on TV. You want to see guys who can finish fights. Um, main card-wise, though, Jimmy Rivera versus Thomas Almeida. That's a really good fight. Mm -hmm. And to get that for free on Fox... I mean, look, Almeida lost to Cody Garbrandt, the world champion. That sparked him. This run that's that Garbrandt's it. been on. Yeah, yep. that's it. Like, Just his only loss is right to Garbrandt. Everyone else, he's pretty much dropped in emphatic fashion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's going in there to kill or be killed, and usually he does the killing. Um, Cody's the only one to, to really best him. He came back last year. Brazil looked great. Another Steph test here. I'm going with Thomas Almeida. Violent KO. That's how you kick off a card on Fox. I'm with you. And to me, he should have been on 213. If 213 was so shitty, why don't you make guys like this on 213? And you put him on cards like around it. There's no reason for him to fight in Long Island. I understand Jimmy Rivera's there, but you just send Jimmy Rivera out to get killed. Put that in Vegas, have another killer on a main card. Um, Gaethje should have been on that main card. As soon as Cowboy dropped out, you bumped
1: that fight up too. And it could have been a good card. On spot. a card, like the... The best thing you could possibly do for a car that isn't very well rounded is give give people present fighters who can increase the likelihood of a stoppage. Yep, yeah. that's that, that's what you do every time. Ain't it's, shit else in one yeah. of his fights.
2: I mean, Thomas Almeida's not going the distance. Um, so him versus Jimmy Rivera, I take Thomas. When you take um, Almeida. Almeida, smart guy, did you not hear
1: me disagree with you?
2: Cal? Oh, I did not. Uh, next fight, well, thanks oh, for the compliment, Rob. Yeah, listen, next fight. Main card again. I love that these Fox cards only have four fights, by the way. Mm -hmm. Early night for me. Um, Patrick Cummings versus Gian Vellante. Gian Vellante, uh, I'm taking Vellante. He's in New York. I'm never picking Patrick Cummings again. Thank you. That's what I was waiting (laughs) for.
1: That was with a little chuckle.
2: Everyone who's listened to the podcast, listen. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me five times, shame (laughs) on me. I'm not picking him again. I can't do it. Even though I feel like he might win, I don't care. No, his ass is getting knocked out. I'm never picking him again, him and a stupid
1: stash. Yeah, I've never been big on Patrick Cummins. Obviously, he presents a lot in, in the, re- the realm of wrestling. And there were some uh, tools that he did bring to the table at least a few years ago that you thought, huh, this guy may have a shot. However, uh, a few years later, that clearly isn't the case. Not a huge Vellante guy. He that, could be worse, but
2: yeah. He he could Patrick Cummins at least he's staying afloat in the UFC. He hasn't been cut. No,
1: he hasn't. He hasn't he hasn't shipped out to uh, you know another promotion like obviously we're going to talk about it later with the main event because you have a theory regarding that. However, we'll get your prediction. But yeah, I I, I just Patrick never, Cummins tough twelfth in the world. Yeah, by the way. I've just I've never been a big Cummins guy. V- Volante, you know, recent loss against uh, against Shogun. In that, when well, March uh, in the in the Brazil card, so I'm not a huge Volante guy either. But in this circumstance, I'll take him over Cummins. I just don't think Cummins offers very much on a well from just be, as far as being a well-rounded fighter. He just hasn't developed to where he's needed to. Well, I liked his hands
2: a little bit more in the last fight. Um, but yeah, it's still not well-rounded. But not to the, yeah. point,
1: not to the point where he was. He's going to fulfill. No, he got, got robbed again. Rocked. He has
2: no defense. No. So, he's working on a striking offense, but that still... Takes no much punishment. Yeah, and you have no chin. It's a hor- horrible combination as yeah. a lightweight in the UFC. Yeah. All right. So, we're both picking events: Patrick Cummins because we're smart people. Never again. Uh, Dennis Bermudez versus Darren Elkins. I think this is a really well-rounded fight. Mm-hmm. I think it's evenly matched. I'm going to pick Bermudez, though. Um, Man, but Elkins is so good in his own right. I, I think this is just a really well-booked fight. Um... You know, Bermudez lost to a Korean Zombie in his last go-out. Uh, took a vicious knockout. Korean Zombie looked good that night, though. He came back. You know, didn't look like he missed a beat. I expect him
1: to, you know, get back on a winning track, though. Yeah, last time we saw Elkins, what an unbelievable performance in Las Vegas, too. Yeah. So, the, very interesting matchup. And, obviously, Bermudez, a, a, you could say a... Well, no, you know, you can't say. You, you have to say. He was a world-class championship-caliber fighter who, obviously, you know, with, with the, the, the big dog... Which is ironically say that being being that, that uh, uh, flyweight division, but the big dog in that in that weight class, no one's dethroning him, so it's kinda a tough standard to judge all that by. Yeah. But again, Bermuda, I think does bring a lot to the table still. However, Elkins, just tough, man. Like what the the, the, the I don't come- expect this to no finish. The No, co- the cup co- but the comebacks that we've seen him. The, the punishment he's had to endure and just be able to push through, you know, sometimes that does surpass the talent of, of your opposition. It does. Because a lot of people, Michael Johnson from top to bottom is probably more talented fighter than G I I think so. Yeah. From top to bottom. Gaethje's just tough. There you, you go. Wow. And just brings it hard. You can't teach heart. No, you can't. And I know it sounds cliche, but if you have heart and you have a chin, and you and you keep your foot on that throttle. Not only you're going to increase the likelihood of giving the fans a hell of a show, you're going to increase your likelihood of winning the bout. We even saw that. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? Mighty Mouse, uh, two fights ago, it was against. Oh uh, yeah, the
2: tough winner. Yeah,
1: yeah. Look at yeah, you know, yeah. look at. The, obviously, it's it's hindsight. We obviously Johnson won, but look at the struggles he gave him at times. Just because of that relentless pressure and that unorthodox style, Mighty Mouse was obviously still uh, able to with- withstand anything he threw his way. And I'm not saying he was rattled by any means, but it was a grind for a while. Those type of fighters often present difficulty, even for the
2: world-class guys. No, definitely. And I, I expect to see one of those fights. Knockout, out fight, it'll go to the ground, it'll stand up. Mm-hmm. They're going to show well-rounded fight. And you know what? If everything else is knockouts and finishes, which I think it's going to be, I'm I'm glad to get a fight that goes through and shows people like, okay, this is every facet of MMA, too. Um, main event time. Chris Weidman versus yep. Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin's on one hell of a run mm-hmm. right now. It's hard to pick against Kelvin Gastelum. Very. Uh, with that being said, this is do or die for Weidman, right? This isn't Vitor Belfort any, anymore. This isn't... uh. Tim Kennedy, Johnny, you know, old man Johnny Hendricks. This is a step up. And I'm going to say Wiedman gets it done. So I'm picking Chris. I know you're not picking against Chris. You never pick against Chris. To be
1: honest, I am. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It has frozen over. I think he's lost lost a step in the striking. Obviously, he was exposed in that bout against Rockhold, as far as the fluid, lacking maybe the fluidity and the speed some of these other guys have. Now, don't get me wrong. For the longest time, I truly thought Chris, we- and we talked about this in detail. I thought Chris Weidman was about as good as you will see in this common era for a middleweight. Bring those, because uh, and again, a little more meat and potatoes in his style, in his striking style, but the boxing pedigree was there. At times against, you could say, certain caliber opponents, certain quality opponents. He was able to display enough of his hands to where it made him look decent enough. And then you bring in the the amateur wrestling background and the world-class uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which people often forget. And that made him a, tr- a truly well-rounded fighter to the point where I didn't think anyone would uh, beat him for quite some time. A long, long time. We saw it in Cole. Rockhold brought the fluidity, the explosive athleticism to the table. And even then, Weidman, I still thought that was a very even matchup. And the, and the hook kick is really what derailed Chris Weidman's run. Well, that's this whole run. It was desperation. And yes, he was taking punishment. But from that hook kick onward, it just hasn't been the same. Now, sure, Musasi. Musasi's a straight up badass. Gagar Musa- we saw it. Gagar Musasi as a striker. Yeah, a lot of guys, you put him in that kind of situation against a, a guy like Musasi. They're gonna they're gonna get beat up like Weidman did, and no, I don't think Weidman is full bone done. I still think he has a lot of talent. I think the athleticism and th- this that that natural wrestler strength size package is still there for him to get it done. If he were to make it uh, a, a grind, make it a dirty fight, and really you know try basically try to take it to the wrestling room. But again, gasoline on such a run and it's so dangerous and inflicts so much damage. I don't think Weidman will be able to withstand it like we've seen him withstand punishment from other great um, strikers in the past, whether that be Machida or whoever. We've seen Weidman's chin tested many times. Oh, he takes and he punches. Has, and he has come through. However, how much longer can, can that last? Three straight TKOs. Exactly. And now, not and now you're fighting a guy who is white hot. And the guy in New York, not, not too... Uh, not as, not yeah, too hot. No, no, you should probably being the miss, what the Baldwin native.
2: Yeah, if, you know, just move away from New York. They, they
1: <laughs> they're, they're not ready to call high level MMA, and that's yeah. it's just not the case. And so. I'm not I'm not really superstitious like that, but given the uh, the way his his recent stint in New York has gone with that brutal knee and the yeah. Romero fight the to, not the, cool. to the controversy against Musasi um, uh, last time around. Like all, all all these different things, third times the charm. Yeah, but that's what I do to wonder. But all these different things start to make you believe maybe it's Bellator now.
2: Yeah, maybe it's Bellator. Weidman. Listen, if anyone loses three fights, I'm automatically shipping them to Bellator. That's just what I do. You lose three in a
1: row, you go to Bellator. It's just it's just what's going on. I wish I would have got a like a quick picture of your face when I said I'm picking Gaslam. Yeah, because it's, it's as long as I know you are never, never picked against no. Weidman. No, I will. Mean, yep, yeah, I'll say that with conviction. But I also will say with. Full-hearted conviction that I think he is going to lose this foul.
2: Ain't that something? Um, We're going to take a break now because that was a ton of MMA talk. When we come back, we're going to touch on boxing. Not much happening, but we'll touch quickly on it and then round it up with pro wrestling. So stay tuned. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible.
4: Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information, the brands you care about, while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right, if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card, right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to the cornersurvey.com Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out
2: i know the corner club got our back you guys are gonna fill out that survey we're gonna get more ads we're gonna be bringing you this for free for a long long time so shout out to y'all We are back and we're talking boxing real quick cuz this really it's light on boxing this week. Everything is the Mayweather McGregor circus. We touched on it a little bit before. What did you think of the World Tour? Were you a fan? Did you like it? Was it too much? You know It was, there, poor, there was poor, controversial.
1: Yeah, it was definitely controversial poorly formatted. It was poorly formatted and we we get cuz we cover both. We know how the boxing pressers work as opposed to MMA. I, it's not even the fact that they never did an MMA presser. It's more so the fact they did four straight days of boxing pressers. So everyone's complaining that we never really got to see each of them, you know, sit up there with a mic and just go at it, verbal sparring. I'm not so much bummed about that because I do think w- with all of the weird stuff and the, and the controversial stuff we did see and here, I think there were a few hidden gems in there. I just think it got to the point where it was a little watered down. It was a little excessive. Four days in a row. You have great locations with, with for the tour um, across the board. But it just felt like it was just this never-ending thing. And I guess in a way, that's the point. Obviously, being with the promotional um, the, the promotional approach and trying to get, get the, the buzz out there rapidly across the board in a stretch of four days. It they're, sounds they're not, good when you say it like yeah. that. In, in, in theory, it sounds all right. In practice, it just doesn't work as well. They're not... Stand-up comedians—they—they they
2: can't do it. They're not. It's no, not an improv. You will run
1: out of material.
2: Yeah, and, and we saw that, and it dwindled at the end. That mm-hmm. New York thing took all the air out of it. Um, Connor just trying too hard, and then he dialed it back, and then Mayweather took it to another level on the last one, and it just seemed like too much at the end. It, it really put a damper on the first two, which were great. Yeah,
1: you—you kind of wish it ended after Toronto.
2: Yeah, right. or, you know, just dial it back in New York. You know everyone's going to be late. You know the crowd's going to be crazy. Don't let them talk for five minutes and mm-hmm. do a diatribe. Make it traditional boxing, boring as hell. Quick little statement, two seconds, sit down. Don't right. make them go through the whole rigmarole again and let the New York crowd complain but say, you know what, this is our clean-cut one. Mm-hmm. This is our just boring And then make, like they tried to. They tried a little bit having both guys have a mic at the same time um, in London to make it a little bit more free-flowing And then go back to it. But, yeah, it it missed a little bit. I still think there's a lot of intrigue around the fight. I think they'll be able to build it right back up during the fight. No doubt. And people will forget about the whole press tour and everything, what went on.
1: There will be a, a new month worth of material. Absolutely. And something will surface. Something will Always. surface. Always. And I don't, I don't mean that as anything like a controversial headline. I just mean something will pop up where it will be used by either Floyd or Connor. Oh, Floyd. and it will add to the, the storyline. Floyd's going to bring
2: out whoever Connor was sparring with and pay him a ton of money to say he knocked out Connor McGregor. And the guy's going to have a picture or two inside of the ring with Connor. And Connor might have a shiner because it's camp. And you do get hit some. And everyone's going like, oh, my God, he brought out the guy who knocked out McGregor. And then that's going to be the new spark, and then it'll go. It Listen, there's always a way. And if people, you are crazy. If you think these two don't say all that wild shit on stage, go to the back, shake hands, and be like, we're cashing out. Thank you, Kel. They, this Thank is you. all there.
1: People forget these two. Two are so much alike. It is mind-blowing. They're doing this shit together. It's a yes. dance. It's choreographed. It's a joint promotional type of thing. Like It's two parties meeting. Put it on a show. Say what you want about each respective group, whether you like them or whether you hate them. But they got this down. And that's what I'm saying. It's hard to be a cynic about this. Everyone's going to say it's a circus or a freak show. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes sports great. It's the spectacle. It's the event. It's why we like professional wrestling and other entertainment events often mingled with our more, uh, you could say, quote unquote, real competitive sports. It's what makes it fun. It's what makes it, it's what gives it buzz and what gives it life. And it really, it's what complements the athletic competition. The only thing about that you can knock is obviously it's a very one-sided affair in this in these circumstances. But it's impossible to deny that this, this won't be fun in some way or the other.
2: No, yeah. I mean, it's this
1: is what we're paying for. Thank you. This is this
2: is what it is. And they're building the narrative. They're building the show. It's gonna brew. It's it's not real. Like it, there's no real animosity. No. They, they respect each other for both being able to make money, to both be able to talk themselves into situations you shouldn't be in. Floyd shouldn't be in this situation. He is a light-in-the-ass fighter <laughs> who has no knockout power, there's no reason he should be the biggest star in the sport. Because even when you're a smaller fighter, you better have hands of
1: stone. Yeah. You better have exciting fights. He has some of the most boring fights. No, like, if, you, so if a boxing novice were to just recently find out Floyd Mayweather's the biggest boxing draw of the modern era they, and actually watch him in the ring and just even run down his, you know, his fight record, you'll think, this guy was the top money guy. Because just really doesn't Draw parallel, no, but that's all because yeah. boxing is so deeply rooted with the heavyweights and middleweights yeah. and knockouts, getting the, the money and getting the attention. But again, what is boxing ultimately? The sweet science. Fewer better at applying that than Mayweather. Yeah, he talked himself into that money, right? Lo- I mean
2: he, that's that's all he did. He made people hate him and talked himself into money because it's not an exciting
1: brand. Greatest lo- heel lo- turn ever. Like at least, and like in boxing, it has to be up there. It has to be up there as far... As, and I'm not saying as far as public reception. I'm saying as far as how it affected him in a positive way for his own uh, career. And for his no, own definitely, finances, it was, you could say. It was definitely premeditated. Yeah. The pretty boy Floyd thing doesn't so, sell like
2: money Money tea. Tea. Yeah. So, Money Mayweather sold a lot. It might be one of... Yeah. When you think about it... Because, I mean, I can't say Ali was a heel turn, right? Like, cash is clay
1: to Muhammad no, Ali. No, because if, if anything, it was... If anything... That, that, Cash is that claimed, claimed to Muhammad Ali. To, Muhammad has, Ali but then you got to think is Muhammad Ali, uh, uh, for what we know him as, is the friggin' one of the greatest. Forget fighters. Forget athletes. One of the greatest American icons from a socio-political standpoint we've re- ever seen. That's
2: revisionist, though. Cause Cause they, they hated him, hated him for that same reason. Back
1: that's then. my point. They hated him back then. So in a way, you could say Ali almost made another babyface turn. However, however he, It was very Steve Austin. A here. lot of that, exactly. But a lot of that also of um, uh, what you've alluded to and many others. He lost his ability to speak. And again, we often view the um, I guess you could say the climate. Of that time period now in a different light than people yeah. in the 60s did. But Cassius played to Muhammad Ali is interesting. That's a hell
2: of a heel turn. Yeah, like yeah. The, the name change, the nation of Islam, like all that. That's, yeah. and that's probably the greatest heel turn because then he always spoke. He was always braggadocious. But putting it when there was so much xenophobia. Yes. Just in, in the country, like, you know, people were scared to death of the Russians. The count. Ca- scared the to death of the war, Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam. Korean, Civil rights like, movement. Well, everything. everything. Yeah, black people. All this stuff. And then you align yourself with, with Muslim. Yeah. And, and just that. And that was still such a foreign concept to people. And the whole Joe, and, and the Joe Frazier feud. Yeah, and it was it, just... Man, he wasn't the American
1: People's champ. That's one hell of a heel that's, that's
2: better than Mayweather. But no, that, it is. Those are
1: one and two. It is. I And and I'd say, by that regard, I'd say it is because it's so much larger than just the sport. It transcended so much. Yeah. Ollie Frazier... Was so the, that, that trilogy was so much bigger than just two guys throwing down in the ring for a heavyweight title. It, it, it had so much that came into play. That's why it's so hard to ever foresee something topping it as far as uh, historical and cultural significance. But the interesting thing is, when Ali was making the most impact in the ring and making the most impact... Socially, he was actually, in a way, the inferior fighter. You know, post-Vietnam controversy, Ali was not as good as Cassius Clay. When you no, 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 think about no, no. like no, obviously, no. obviously uh, the caliber of opponent, uh, the the fights themselves, it made for more legendary bouts because he wasn't as good, so he endured more punishment. Um, and obviously, his the style of his opponent, whether it be Frazier or Foreman, some of these other greats he fought, that had a lot to do with it as well. But Cassius Clay. Pre, uh, pre, I guess you say, again, pre Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, who was talking the talk, walking the walk, and absolutely just roping to open, just tearing fools up with the jab, bobbing and weaving, could not be hit. That guy was, That that is the reason why people, you know, still to this day say Muhammad Ali, whether you think it's Sugar Ray Robinson's greatest pound for pound fighter or, or not. That's why people still reference Muhammad yeah. Ali. As the greatest, at least in between the ropes, because of the talent and the ability he displayed so early before the more uh social-political ramifications came to play.
2: Yep. And, and man, just thinking back, yeah, he, that's when hell of a heel turn. Just everything that he had. I mean, and to go heal after your skills diminish is tough. It's Steve Austin. Yeah. It's like Steve Austin's a way better wrestler when before the neck injury, before right. he broke his neck. Because in Stone Cold has a limited skill set, but he makes the most out of that limited skill set. But it, it resonated and, Yeah, more. and it resonated yep. more. People people, in, I don't know, Ali became more notable, I guess, when he was taking punishment. Absolutely. Because <laughs> when you can't hit a guy and he's talking shit, it kind of sucks. But when he's in trouble and it's a rope and dope and he's getting hit or he might lose a fight and come back, it made him, it humanized him. Hey, at some point. That's the He wasn't
1: Superman. That is the perfect word to use. It humanized him. And we also got to see his foil in Frazier, the the unrelenting pressuring infighter who absolutely just destroyed him with body shots and these big hooks and overhand rights and, you know, Ali, keeping him at bay with the jab. But Frazier, what happens when I work inside your jab? Like just getting about it or just talking about it gets me all amped up because to to me it truly, that's what makes a great robbery. You know, there's a difference between a robbery and a feud. What we see in John Jones and Daniel Cormier is more of a, a feud. It's pure hatred. A blood like b- blood feud animosity. If the they, purge was real, they'd kill yeah. each other. Like I honestly think, and yeah. I, I know this this kind of sounds a little morbid, but it actually is morbid. But if one of them were like I, I don't know, like pass away, I feel the other wouldn't lose a whole lot of sleep about it. Like the and, and people are probably listening. And go, oh, come on, that's just barbaric. That's ruthless. No, no, they, they really, just like really each other. do hate each other. Where other rivalries we have seen now. Uh, whether it be all time or recently, yeah. We're not that's talking more because of the, the, the stage and the scenario surrounding. We see that, that Connor, although robbery was a year long, that robbery only existed because Connor saw the Featherweight title and he wanted it and he was going against the best to ever hold it. It wasn't personal. No, this is personal. Right. This is, I mean, talk about each
2: other's kids, families, wives. I mean, shit, they're prostitutes. Like, you. Listen, you can stay what you want about John Jones, don't talk about his escorts. Mm-hmm. Daniel Cormier talked about everything. Everything's out there, everything's and, on the table, and it's crazy.
1: And you know, Daniel you even said he DC's a bit of a crier from the, the you know, just being an uh an emotional competitor, yeah. if you will. We saw the footage of him and Kane backstage after USC 182. And to reference that. <laughs> to reference John, John Jones game no like I'll make you
2: cry again
1: like like from a competitive standpoint that's almost worse than the jabs Cormier's taken as far as his personal slip ups because that that's that's like almost questioning manhood that's questioning your toughness that's questioning your heart and basically saying I outmanned you I broke you sure I, I may have my own troubles out outside the cage but I am the better fighter than you are but Daniel Cormier can't say that before we go back to boxing better promo Two fourteen or one eighty nine. One eighty nine. I'm. Hands up. I, Thank 214, you. Two fourteen. Two fourteen was it's awesome, good. but it's more like a trailer. It's more like a. It's more like a one of the WWE promos that you see before WrestleMania. That's like a three or four minute long video before the entrances. Yeah. Where Connor and and Aldo was a TV spot, and the way they did it. it oh, walking down Las Vegas Boulevard. Passing Treasure a, Island. No Church in the Wild. The oh. sunglasses. And then when they redid it, and they like superimposed the, belt. the interim belt on Connor solar for 194. But just seeing the original one. The original one was the best because we were it, in the
2: house, right? It was like
1: the No, January it was at 187. We were, we were covering 187. They debuted it the, the night of uh, the Cormier-Johnson fight, the first one.
2: Yep. yep. Oh, man, that shit was crazy. I remember it, the lights went out, and everyone was just like, what is yeah. this? And then it just came down, and... There was no more. It, it was perfect. Yeah.
1: This one, I don't think it reaches that level. It was um, great. It was great, but it's just not quite there. That that feeling you got when watching that 189 promo just made you feel, wow, this is something
2: big. Talking about promos, a great promo in boxing, Triple G, Canelo. They did the same thing. Yep. End of the fight, the fucking lights go off. It looked like the Undertaker. And then the Triple G montage, everyone lost their shit. And the fight has been talked about since. Yeah, like that. Yeah. That was it. Um, <laughs> Connor and Mayweather just destroyed that it. shit. The like World Cross Snoop fight, like Snoop walking through Manhattan, just crushing buildings. That's <laughs> what they did. They stomped all over that shit. And uh, I'm still looking forward to it, but no one's talking about it. On oh, long time I'm away. Sad. How do you see? What's your opinion of that fight? And just the fight itself. Do you? Do you? Are you giving Canelo a chance? Because I've given
1: Canelo more of a chance I, lately. Definitely. Me too. I. Definitely give Canelo a chance. So I think he will win. No, and that is simply because I think Gennady Golovkin at this point is just a better boxer. You talk, you talk about the knockout power. You talk about the uh, the just the pure uh, unadulterated violent style. I guess you could say of Golovkin, where he's just absolutely going to punish you with a jab and the almost real Mexican and al- exactly, and almost bring in this Rocky Balboa element to the point where if you hit him just to piss him off, it makes him that much better. And again, the the unrelenting forward. Uh, forward attack from him makes that difficult for a, a fighter like Canelo Alvarez, who likes to stand and trade in the pocket, but likes to get off on count, uh, get his success off of counter punches. He's not going to pursue you. He's going to let you come to him and try to out uh, try to basically out punch you inside with his counter punching and his power. And that's one thing you have to think. Maybe he may have a shot there because he is a bigger middleweight. He's Big, strong, athletic He's dude, than and Golovkin is a smaller, yeah. middleweight. He's bigger than However, Triple However, you are not outboxing Triple G in the pocket. You do not want those problems. And the problem, and to me, the issue is he can't out outpoint him on the outside either, as more of the outside boxer approach. So if you can't beat him on the perimeter, and you can't beat him inside when the distance is close. How can you possibly beat a fighter like Gennady Golovkin who is so powerful and can drop you in one punch?
2: And that's why now it's like you have to knock him out. Yeah. And I don't think he can do that yet. Because the chin of Golovkin is real. But if they run it back in two years, you know what? I might pick Canelo because Canelo has learned win or lo- you know win or lose. He learned more from that Mayweather loss than he did any of his wins. And he's won and he's adapted his style all the time. He's still stupid young. Yeah and Gennady's only getting older, if they run it back in two years, you know what? I might have a difference of opinion. My sentiment's similar. Because but go out there, make a good fight, don't get knocked out if you're Canelo,
1: you're then it's a win. Come back in two years, let's do it. Because I think this could be that key moment that, I'm not going to say the next great robbery in boxing or the next big-time package between two fighters that will restore popularity in the sport, but if there was some type of situation that could uh, get uh, get the tires rolling on that. It would be these two fighters. You have a good a good throwdown in the initial bout coming up here uh, this fall. It gives you an opportunity to create something down the road, and I think that will be the true legacy of this bout of this matchup. It's not going to be necessarily right now. Obviously, on the surface, that's what it seems like, and I do think the winner of this fight has a very good shot to be determined pound for pound king. But I think I think the fight itself as far as fighter-on-fighter fighter matchup, almost pales in comparison to the potential that could come down the road. Because like you said, Canelo just continues to improve. The talent is there. The the it factor, the X factor is there. He has, I think he has absolutely every tool you need to be the face of the sport. And he has a fan-friendly style. He's he's fun to watch. And he could mix it up with the best of them. The problem is, I just don't, I think he he doesn't have the ability right now to beat um, Golovkin, who is the superior a boxer. It feels like the appetizer,
2: though. Even it does. leaning into this, it feels it feels like I don't get that feeling. Like, man, this is a once in a lifetime fight. Like, no, I feel like this is the first of a third, you know, of three, and we're gonna run it back. And I'm not sure if I pick any other middleweight to beat Triple G or Canelo. No. So you're getting with, the two whoever best. loses. You are
1: getting the two yeah, best.
2: Whoever loses. I don't really foresee them losing again in the next two years. It's, so let's just do this
1: again in two years. It's Cormier Jones-esque in the fact that they'll be everyone it, else. It, it, exactly. And we're going to be right back. Exa- and it's a fact where, like how I say, Daniel Cormier is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Mm-hmm. I think John Jones is the greatest of all time. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, one of the best in the world today. I think Golovkin, if he's not the best, he is certainly the best in that realm, being middleweight of realistic opponents for Canelo. Yeah, damn. Has Andre Ward separated himself that much? Um,
2: I think... That last fight is hard to deny. Just working and getting Kovalev out of there. Yep. Fuck. I I mean, Andre Ward... You can't knock Andre Ward out. I think now he's, like, solidified that number one pound for pound. I think Triple G got some work to do. But once again, if Triple G gets Canelo out of there, now you come and say... What's the bigger win? Canelo or or Sergey Kovalev? Right. And it might be Canelo. So now we're just back in the same boat. So
1: it's crazy. That's the biggest boxing fight. And I don't think either fight... I I was talking about this with my buddies the other night. Triple G goes down and loses. It hurts him more than Canelo losing.
2: Yeah, because Canelo... He's young. He has plenty of years left. And in the end, Triple G may fight like a Mexican fighter, but he's not a Mexican fighter. So that zero holds weight. Mexican fighters... Listen, man, you can lose every other damn time as long as you're excited. You give them a show, they'll,
1: they'll That's back That's all that up. Yep. matters.
2: That's all that matters. Um, What break matters for is. us right now, we're taking a break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit of pro wrestling. We have to preview WWE Battleground, which is coming up this weekend, and talk about some other shit in the world of pro wrestling. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep, so you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free.
4: Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping. And Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping. By by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner promo code the corner to save $50 towards the cash for purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real.
2: Make it happen. But now, it's time to get back to talking combat sports, so stay with us. Alright, time for this final segment. We are back. It's pro wrestling talk. You know, some of the best talks we have on this show, and we save them for last. About Uh, the sport that's not even real. (laughs) Listen, it's real. It's just scripted. There you go. That is yep. what I tell everyone. The mantra. That the is mantra. it. Um, man, so it's great. I'm glad you guys always stay and listen all the way through. Next week, we'll talk about G1 tournament uh, when Andreas gets back because he's catching up on that right now. And, you know, he's just a super stand for the G1 Climax tournament. Good, good, good wrestling. Nights 1 and 2 so far. We'll touch on everything through night 4. I, I think we might be at night 6 by the time we come back. If you guys don't have New Japan World yet, I don't know what you're doing. You're wasting your life. Go out there and see some quality wrestling. Uh, it's $9.99. Come on. You spend more on stupid dates on stupid girls who just end up leaving you at the end of the night. That's, that's one drink in a club in Vegas when you're trying to impress a girl for her to go home. That's an ATM fee at a strip club in Vegas. You know, that is. Yeah. That, that's real. <laughs> I'm telling you, when these tourist girls come out and there's like five of them to the room, you buy them a, a drink for $9.99. And they go right back up to the hotel room with a gaggle of friends. You get no play. New Japan World could have made your day a little bit better with that money. So please spend it wisely. Watch some good wrestling. Um, right now, that we got to talk WWE. More importantly, we got to talk Paige versus Del Rio. Probably the best angle in all of pro wrestling. And that shit's a shoot. Um, Paige going crazy on Del Rio in the airport. Quote, unquote, allegedly. But come on. People saw it. There was eyewitnesses. There's like a little mini clip video out there. Um, Paige accusing Del Rio of ruining her life, even though she proposed to him. So she ruined her damn life, her own damn life. Um, I don't know what to make of it, man. It, it's so crazy to think that a couple that was so in love and they get the tattoos and they're doing drugs in New York and get suspended by the WWE. Then Del Rio leaves and then Paige is still I don't, either suspended or injured. I don't even know. They're, they're not even trying to bring her back at this point. And all because of their relationship. And there has to be a 20 years age difference. I think he was married when they first got together. It's been a shit show from the
1: start, and it continues. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this one is that so many of these pro wrestling relationships, whether it be uh, legitimate or in kayfabe, I feel like so often, again, whether that be on the, the presentation on television or in uh, actuality, it's more of a one-sided type of thing where somebody's career you know is is not maybe not derailed but hindered because of their relationship i think it's safe to say both parties here have really really screwed up at least their known wrestling careers uh, on, a, on a mainstream level they're now just the the butt of every joke you can throw at them and now they're like the quintessential disastrous pro wrestling couple like these they're the new standard shit couldn't go any more in no. their like the sex tape with Paige leaking and her getting
2: cuckolded out, and then now her career will get past that, and then they now ruined their sure. careers.
1: They ruined both of their careers. They ruined her career. Yeah, I mean his career. But his career was already struggling as far as because of the, oh, yeah. the, the, the what went down a few years prior in WWE with the with him assaulting the employee or whatever, yes. with the racial remarks. So him to come back and then become engulfed in this when he was already kind of on shaky walk, you know, shaky ground. And also the fact, what, that, that god-awful League of Nations thing, that wasn't doing any nope. of and then anything now, for him. And then for, for him to go to that, it just, just talk about a downward spiral, let alone what happened to her.
2: Now you think, like, okay, he just won the belt from Bobby Lashley and TNA, a.k.a. Global Force Wrestling, as they're now being called. He just wins the belt. It was supposed to be, it was that slam reversal. So it was supposed to be the good turning point into the next year, and boom, this happens, the domestic violence in the airport, which happens to be just him getting a drink thrown in his face, and almost getting his ass whooped by Paige, yeah. and they suspend him, and now the champion's off the of TV, and they're probably going to take the belt off of him. Yeah. And Just like that. So it just keeps on fucking up their careers. Right. Like, they, they tend- may get legit assault charges for it, a domestic violence charge, you, you can't win. It's
1: something as, like, it's legit something you figured someone wrote. It's so dramatic and so so over the top you think this has to be fiction. That's the, that's the brutally hilarious part about it. And we've seen truly horrible shit happen in pro
2: wrestling, which we're going to talk about here in a second in terms of couples are concerned. And this is not getting any better. This is one of those train wrecks where you really got to stop whoever the hell cares about them, pump the brakes, and be like, no, you guys got to both end this shit. Because it's saying. only
1: getting worse, and we know the end result. Yeah. And it's like you said, literally a train wreck. It's like one of those things... We see... Or like... you, You don't want to look away, but you can't. Or you... You want to look away because you know it's bad and uh, you shouldn't be endorsing this, but it's so entertaining. That's why I just said a moment ago, brutally hilarious. A lot of people now are probably thinking, "What well, you like these two people' uh, lives get, getting altered? You like the relationship crumbling?" I'm, I'm not going to say I like it, but it's made for some damn good entertainment. Everyone because likes it's that to a degree. I'm sorry if you bring something upon yourself. Do not ask for sympathy, and I'm not saying they are asking for sympathy. But with all that has gone down, but in this Page Del Rio. Chronological, you know, in the chronological order. It's hard not to like smirk at this because it's all like, what, what are you doing? You're bringing this upon yourself. It's, it's pity. You know what I'm saying? Like both are, are immensely talented. Say what you want about Del Rio being boring and and never being able to hit it over the audience. Great worker, great athlete. Oh, he's talented. Pa- amazingly okay. talented, Page before the, obviously the whole what divas' revolution she, she kind of set the yeah. set the tone for that she was the one where' like oh wait she can actually wrestle and no one else can on and then they, and they brought me. in everybody else yeah. so she in a way was the, the you know the forbearer of everything that went down with this whole change in women's wrestling which is undoubtedly been for the better in so many different ways but it's again it's hard not to roll your eyes and kind of just scoff at what these two have done because it's legit like something you hear in in high school or even like stuff, stuff like you hear about, like at a, at a college party. When you're thinking, like this, this has to be made up. Like this is so ridiculous to me. There's no way these two people can actually constantly think they could somehow work out a, a, a normal relationship amidst all this going down. Like what, like what? There has to be some kind of malfunction there to, for them to, to to keep pushing through, to keep going. And now look at it; it's
2: completely blown up. I mean, as if. Cocaine suspensions and sex tapes and all the wild shit they had. To Vegas, to begin. late nights yep. in
1: Vegas. Wilding
2: yeah. out, getting arrested. That shit was a precursor. Yeah. That's not even the end. That, that was like, phase it, one. That was, <laughs> that, was that was
1: phase one. And
2: the, we don't need to see phase three. Just get the hell out of here. Just chalk it up as a loss and keep it moving. And that got us thinking about, before we you know, preview um, WWE Battleground and get out of here, got us thinking of, thinking of some of the worst real-life non-K-fabe couples in wrestling history. And this list was hard to put together. So we tried to limit it to five because we haven't had a pound-for-pound list in forever on the show. Couldn't do that. It's just not even possible. So we'll go down the list of some of the worst. Um, the list I put together is CM Punk and Beth Phoenix. That was rough. Yeah. I mean, Punk dated everybody, though. So I could have chose a myriad of women before he landed on AJ Lee. Um So it's nice that he's now a settled-down man, a little bit more calm. My second one, Miss Elizabeth and Lex Luger. Macho man say all that shit, say what you want. He may have been domestically abusing people. I don't know. Uh, He was a wild dude. That Lex Luger thing really messed up Miss Elizabeth, and we saw the tragic end um, due to the tumultuous relationship. So once again, Paige, to steal a line from a movie, get out. That's it. Like, we, we see this shit. Just listen. If, if for some reason you see, like, Beth Phoenix or one of these women running up to you at a full sprint and just yelling at you to get out, this shit's not a movie. These things end badly. Just
1: cut it off. I, I'm not a huge told the deepest guy, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't watch it here and there because damn it, that sh- that, that's entertaining. It catches you. It does. And when all of the, uh, I guess you could say, co stars on that show are full blown in front of a camera saying, We've never seen her like this before. This is not good. This all seems weird. Those That group of characters on that show where everything's about emotion, uh, relationship drama and emotional turmoil, if they're telling you to get out or if they're saying something's a little uh, little fishy here, yeah, I think it's a sign. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. When your relationship
2: is bad for reality TV, right. your <laughs> shit is just doomed. Um, third, I have Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy, the triumvirate. That shit was great. On on television, it was great. Behind the scenes, I can only imagine how that shit went That's down. Like
1: three for you? That's
2: only three. I, I mean, it's not necessarily in order. All oh, right, right. I mean, right. I, I guess I'm counting... Yeah, it's out of order. Because okay. I didn't get to put it in order. Um, this is just as they came to me. So, Edge leader, Matt Hardy, to me, that was quality. As far as a horrible relationship triangle. But then they happened to get through it and turn it into a great angle on TV. But that had
1: to be a shit show in the background. I think that one... The reason why that one is sticks with us the most is because Matt Hardy and Lita were as like believable and legitimate, almost you could say like real of a relationship as opposed to all of these that seem like whether it be like a, a farce or fraudulent or just something that you never could really invest in as far as being believable. This, they made their bones, the Hardy and Lita together. Like you did not think of the Hardys without Lita. Yep. Like they were just so closely associated, and I think that how we felt about that um, that tag team, and I guess you could say that stable in a way, as a whole, may, made people feel that much uh, more invested in their relationship because the relationship seemed like something that was legit, something that was real, and it kind of carried over, as opposed to where it doesn't seem as as fake or uh, contrived as it does the ones we see on television. This one on both levels seemed parallel because it had that, and that had real that sting.
2: feeling. It had that sting to it because of it. Yes. Um, next week, we definitely, when Andreas comes back, we have to do another pound for pound list, a spinoff of this, and it has to be the biggest players in WWE history, where you just hop from girl to girl to girl. Dave Batista.
1: Oh, ghost. CM Punk is up he, there. It's, it's, a, it's between those two. At least it in the is. modern era. At least in the modern era.
2: Edge has hit a, lot of, a, a yeah. lot of trim in the back. Edge has bounced around. So we're going to have to put that on that list, too. Let's keep going with the couples list. Um, next, I have Dolph Ziggler, Nikki Bella, mm. John Cena angle. And they missed the boat to catch the next Edge leader, Matt Hardy, angle. Because Dolph did go fuck like two years ago when they were on Total Divas. And Dolph was... Full Ray J, like I hit it first. He did not. No fucks given. There's
1: camera footage of it too. Yeah, of him like not caring. <laughs> the top guy in the company, the 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 face that you know, quote unquote, the face that runs the place, and he does not care. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he was almost flaunting it as if he were proud it's, that I was with I was
2: with her first. It's also why Dolph Ziggler is no longer in the main event picture. <laughs> That's of Eddie exactly yet. why. Because John Cena's just like, oh yeah, you think this is funny? Huh? Okay. You are now going to job out to everyone who comes up from NXT. I,
1: that should be another thing, like another pound for pound. John Cena's like dark side moments. John Cena <laughs> has ruined guys WWE WWE. He what? has booted people out, let alone like, like, buried blue. them. Yeah, like he's buried guys to the point where they're not booked uh, well anymore. They're not made to look strong. He's also full-blown resulted in guys leaving yeah. the company. Exactly. Guy has weight. He <laughs> got pulled.
2: Clout. That <laughs> tells you something about Ziggler. He stuck around even after talking shit. Um, next up, we have Nancy, Kevin Sullivan, and Benoit. Yeah, that's number one. Yeah, and,
1: and it has to be. And obviously, this one you you don't no, poke a lot of fun yeah. at because this one goes at a deeper level. I mean, there's even conspiracy theories that those three that you know the, the relationships between those three p- people led to that tragic um, happening in June of 2007. Obviously, that's not the main theory, and most people will believe. What I, th- I think is most likely Benoit, like what, what, Benoit yeah, uh, the 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 brain trauma, the da- the the injury, the damage to the head, and so many other things that came into play, and also a failing relationship. But that goes back deep, mid '90s, WCW yeah. uh, the fair. Benoit and Nancy were were sneaking around behind Sullivan's back. So that goes back far. That one was that one's kind of an example of. Uh, I guess you'd say not pro wrestling's like finer moments as far as how the how the talent uh interact and in how the relationships 90s, with each other yeah. backstage in the nineties exactly the 90s, that I feel like yeah. that's happened a lot in not, the nineties. Yeah it not one was- of pro wrestling's fought, like finest um, displays of how how these people intermingle. And which is crazy because I say
2: you know what I think that happened a lot in the nineties and this person was screwing this person and cause it's just the it's the call center mentality. People on the podcast always hear me talk about call centers. Someone could be the most faithful person in the world, we put them in a call center and shit's like high school. You're just gonna you're gonna spend so much time around these people that you're naturally gonna hook up with those people, regardless who you have outside of that. Or even people within that. It's just mm-hmm. you, you always test that thing. You're gonna hook up with this person, you're gonna cheat with that person. It's the high school kind of large group mentality. And I was the 90s seem rampant with it. Listen, those HBK stories, it seems yeah. like he was smashing half the wives in the organization. It just, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure on Cocaine Field and doing nights, plenty of, Yeah, I'm yeah. doing
1: plenty of other things
2: <laughs> yeah. along with But, him. I mean, he was a heartbreak kid for a reason. Um, and just some of the stories that came out from back there are fucking crazy. But then there's a sex tape with Paige that leaks. And you see that she's running through the NXT roster like fucking Seth Rollins was doing. She was on par with that guy. I don't know who put more men on their back in NXT. Horror, her Rollins? She was incredible. Um, <laughs> so... I mean, it, it still probably goes on today. It's just
1: the truth. That's like, a hell of a way to <coughs> take us down the home stretch. Right?
2: <laughs> it, it's crazy, but, I mean, it's just that mentality. And, you know, we've seen it going really bad, and that's one of the examples.
0: It's yeah, that, really
1: bad. That, that got messy, and it's you, you don't look back on it fondly, like some of these other ones that were were You, make, you, make, you know, yeah. you read about, you think, that's actually kind of funny, because, yeah. again, it's kind of like Page and Del Rio in a sense, like, we saw that coming. You guys should have saw that coming, too. And a
2: lot of these guys, they end up happily ever after. You know, um, Brock Lesnar is one of those. So yeah, pops. we're coming up. Yeah. Sable. Next up on the list, Sable and Mark Merrill. You know, she ends up with Brock, perfectly fine. Happy relationship. You have um, earlier, Lita, happily in her stuff. Edge, happily married to the Clamazon, right? Now he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So him and Glamazon going, they have kids and stuff. Cena and Nikki Bella, they're perfectly fine. So people move on. Matt Hardy has a, what Remy and all that stuff. She was on TNA. She was part of the whole Broken Angle. So everything was perfectly fine. So we can poke just at it. They they made it through. It was
1: all good. Speaking of TNA Angle, pair those two words together. That was a disaster too. Oh yeah, with Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett. <laughs> Jeff Jerry still hates him.
2: Yeah. Oh my god, like Jeff <laughs> Jerry
1: used to Ruin his life.
2: <laughs> he might be right though. Yeah. I'm not gonna tell the man that he's wrong. <laughs> um, oh man, just pro wrestling in general is just so damn dirty. I, I really hope these like storylines
1: come out of New Japan too.
2: This is what's missing in New Japan. It's just like nothing i but, love like it.
1: the reason why people like New Japan is the the omission. the omission. Of these things or the lack of these things. And you said, screw it, throw it. No, we it gotta in. ruin this
2: shit a little bit. Like we spice just spice it up a bit. That's it. I just need Okada to just run through Tanahashi's girlfriend. <laughs> like just just really build up the feud
1: to the next level. Oh yeah, uh, uh Okada and Omega. Like their 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 blow-off, the trilogy, they that's where they decide to throw that in there. <laughs> we, Seven stars with the with the female, with the female interaction. <laughs> that's
2: what's needed. That's what's missing. That's why I only got a six point two five. That's what Melcher just needs, that little bit extra yeah. of a sex scandal. Yeah. Um, so, so, Sable and Meryl was my last one.
1: What did you have? What did I forget? Uh, there, there are a few here. Melina and John Morrison, or I guess at the time they started dating, was still Nitro. Batista came in and absolutely demolished that. <laughs> I, we could just say Batista and anybody. Like, like. Batista, Batista had a good run. Batista was an a legit home wrecker. Like he was ruining people's everyday relationships backstage. She's literally the conqueror. Yeah, <laughs> like he, like okay. appa- apparently from like what they say here is that they were uh, uh, Morrison and Molina were on and off so frequently that when Batista did his thing with Molina, Morrison actually knew about it. But again, at the time they weren't a thing,
2: so they were on a break, like exactly, Ross and Rachel,
1: exactly. It, so.
2: Hey, they're break. Like,
1: then you, I guess, you could, in a way, question the the validity of this, but at the same time, no, because we know Batista's track record and we know his <laughs> antics.
2: Yeah, so Batista gets no more benefit of the doubt. Um, no, that's crazy. There's so many that just kind of go. This, Sonny had a run. <laughs> oh, every, next Sonny and
1: everybody. Ne- next yeah.
2: week's list. Sonny has to make the list of top players everywhere. I mean, Sonny. Whew, I can't blame her. I can't blame anyone for that one.
1: Phoenix and Punk's a good one. Yeah, you referenced it earlier. Yeah, that's a good one. Apparently, they, they could in, uh, in retrospect they can't stand each other. You know, uh, Phoenix never did it for me. Like she she
2: she wasn't my thing. There you go. So her Sorry,
1: Frankie I mean, Edgar a relationship.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't I didn't understand it. But what teachers own Edge is a happy guy. Uh, people like the glamazon. What can I say? I saw Anaya Jax twerking off subject. Uh, she posted a twerking video video on Twitter. Man, just Marcus Vanderberg, friend of the podcast, reverse rat pack, posted that in our group chat. I had to watch that video like six times. Shout out to super thick Nia Jax. Yeah, I was just
1: like, Nia Jax, thank
2: Oh, you. and it was, it was in a bikini too. Please get her out of that stupid trash bag outfit. I hate that. Me too. Just-
1: I'm not even, like, not even sound like your typical, like, testosterone filled <laughs> young male. Like, it's just a bad outfit. Yeah, it's a horrible outfit. Like, yeah.
2: it could just be so much better. I mean, I would prefer her to come out in a bikini and shake the cheeks, but she doesn't have to. Just give her a better outfit, and we're all good. Kel, how
1: about this one?
2: A lot of people may not remember this, but the cat and Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler, I feel like since then has been hitting nothing but twenty-year-olds. Yeah, and he, he has he, a complex. He's gone. He's, gone he's gone never falling. Right? Yeah, he's never falling in love again. He was like, "That's
1: it." She but deep, they, my heart. Has never come. Yeah, the cat did pretty much absolutely nothing in in the company, so they booted her, and he left because of that that very reason. He said, "All right, you're booting her. I'm leaving too." And at this point, Lawler was well established as as a commentator. He bounces, and we get Paul Heyman with Jr. for that st- uh, for that stint. And then after the invasion angle wrapped up, Lawler came back. Yeah. Like, okay, it's all good because apparently he wasn't you know with the cat, cat anymore. anymore. But th- like, what was another one? Bobby Lashley and Crystal. There's I, I you know it's interesting when a guy leaves. Because of that, or, or even a, a, any Which is either a partner. Stick. Either partner. Usually, te- a lot of times they'll tend to be the guy just because, let's just call it how it is, um, they have more staying power yeah. in the WWE. Because but, for the longest time. I mean, Page Del Rio. When the wrestlers is more expendable. I'm not saying it's right, but that's the way it
2: was. Page Del Rio is the exact opposite. If Paige decides to follow Del Rio, she
1: has much more staying power than Del Rio Absolutely, in the level. Because she's and made, she fucked her stuff up for him. And she made much more of a mark in the company as a whole. That's why that one I think is still so interesting to me. But again, you look at you look at Bobby uh Bobby Lashley and Crystal, she gets canned, so they write him out by get like getting an injury, and he never comes back. He goes he goes into fighting. He goes into fighting Mm and then goes into TNA and obviously, I guess you could say somewhat makes a name for himself there. But there's several examples of people leaving because their spouse got the boot.
2: Yeah, that's always the worst way to go. Never chase them out. Like, it's okay to not be together in the same promotion. When did that become not cool? I don't understand it. Like, you don't have to be up each other's ass.
1: I said that. Granted,
2: everyone cheats, I guess, on on these things. So you might want to be up your spouse's ass when it comes to this. I mean... Sasha Banks' husband learned how to fucking design clothes when he couldn't become a wrestler just to stay around the circuit because she would have been fucking doing back bends for half the roster. I feel like so. that's
1: like that, that. may just be like the total diva syndrome. I, I noticed that not too long ago, and I guess that was just because I wasn't really paying attention. I feel like inner company inter-promotional relationships now are so much more frequent than they used to be. Everyone's it dating used, somebody. Everybody's dating someone affiliated with the company. Yeah. Everybody, whether it, it, it uh, you know, leads to something long-term or not, that is, like, the new norm. For the longest time, you know, pro wrestlers were traditionally thought of guys, you're on the road all the time, away from your family, yeah. away from your wife, away from your kids. And that was, like, the grind. That was the struggle. Now they go literally everywhere together, and they bitch and moan when they're not on the same brand.
2: Yeah, that's, that's it. Like, John Cena talking about, oh, yeah, I'm a free agent. I want to go to Raw. What? No. <laughs> Not leaving your lady. Like if she wasn't hurt, you asked me right there on SmackDown. So chill out. Everyone wants to travel with their woman. It just it is what it is. Um, so let's wrap up the show now. We've talked about relationships forever on here. Uh let's talk about WWE Battleground. This week, Raw and SmackDown were okay. The biggest thing to come out, I guess, before we move on, Jason Jordan debuting as Kurt Angle's son. That shit's ridiculous. That shit is but terrible. It is nice to know that Kurt Angle has the jungle fever. And nothing wrong with that, Kurt Angle. You get your, your swirl on. Get your little chocolate honey out there. I'm not mad at it. I, I want to see who they bring in. Is it Booker T's wife? Booker T's on the commentary desk. Is that the next big bombshell? That, you know, it was Booker T's wife and they procreated Jason Jordan. Then Booker T has to come in and hit a spin-a-rooney and kick someone's fucking face never, off. See, I'll
1: never view 06 the same because that's uh, Kurt was still in, the, in his initial stint, Booker was there with what Charmel. Yeah, they were all in the company, and now I'm just obviously it's kayfabe, but now I'm just thinking, wait, what was going on back then? But then again, Jason Jordan's not 10 years Ten old. Years old. <laughs> what is going on here?
4: Yeah,
2: <laughs> listen, they'll make the math work, they'll make the math work. We'll figure it out. Um, all right, let's go to battleground eight matches. Uh, we'll pick a winner in each one. First one on the pre-show, Ty Dillinger versus Aiden English. I'm just happy that my man, the perfect 10, is actually getting a wrestling match. I'm going with Ty Dillinger. I do not like that they're making him win. Um, and when he doesn't win, they keep him off of television. Ty Dillinger was the number one jobber in NXT. He lost damn near all the time. His win percentage was lower than Bray Wyatt's. And that's what endeared him to people. Don't make him win all these matches. Put him in there against the top guys and let him lose. And have fun doing it. That's it. That's all it takes. He's a guy to boost your heels. That's that's what he does. That's what he does best. Let him do it. So I take Ty Jerry to win this one, but I don't want to see him win the rest of 2017. So essentially,
1: saying in a way, him being a jobber. is he's
2: he's an effective jobber. Correct. They're ruining ruining him by making him win because he got over in the first place by being a jobber and a guy who never wins. So Dolph Bailey Z-
1: Zip- Zip- sitting yeah. A la right. Like, yeah. Bailey
2: never won in NXT mm-hmm. until it was finally time to win, and that's what endeared her. They came, She came to the main roster. They gave her the belt right away. She sucks. Her character stale, and no one cares because she didn't lose. No one, there was no endearing moments. They're doing the same thing with Ty Dillinger. I don't want to see him get bayley Let him lose for, like, a year. So when he finally wins the IC title, a la Zack Ryder, on some real crazy shit in a ladder match, everyone's happy, and there's nothing but perfect 10 chance. So,
1: but Ty Dillinger's going to win this one. Who do you think wins? Probably Dillinger. I don't know. I don't have as much, I don't have such a strong opinion. Amy English, Amy English. Yeah, that, I think that's what it ultimately, that's my analysis. You, you have some complex uh, philosophy about Dillinger's status from the company. I just think, yeah, it's damn sure not going to be in English. And even, and if it were, I don't see what that really does here. Um, not not a fan of him by any means. I'm not a huge Dillinger fan. I know you like him a lot more than I do. But I think him winning this match would be uh, quote unquote better for business
2: yes uh, let's see next up we have Sammy Zane versus Mike Kenilis which is funny that he made they made him take Maria's last name mm-hmm. uh, Sammy versus Mike Sammy always loses I would say Mike is coming in him and Maria have to make a splash on Smackdown and really prove that their characters mean something Sammy Zayn loses to Mike
1: yeah there's one I should have brought up earlier Maria and Orton oh haha <laughs> Or, or in, look it up. Or, in, or, in, or in, yeah, or it was or seven people. Run, yeah. yeah. G- Google it. Do yourself a you will be very entertained by what you find. Do yourself a favor. Um but I mean Zayn should win. It's that simple. Cause Zami Zayn is one of the best wrestlers in the world and the fans want to see him win. But they don't see it that way. So he's probably not going to
2: win. Yep, I say Mike wins that one. Shinsuke versus Baron Corbin, Mr. Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. Baron Corbin needs to win more than Nakamura no needs doubt. to win. Nakamura is going to win because they're just going to keep him super strong to do luck with. I'm not sure. And I think it's been proven that even with Sheamus, Sheamus lost a shit ton after he had that case. And they had it for a specific reason. And for him to carry the belt for a specific time, it happened to be so he can
1: put over Roman Reigns. Even Rollins. Like, Rollins was made to look weak a
2: lot when he had the briefcase.
1: But in a way, that adds to the storyline because as... Time goes on. You begin to wonder more and more when will that moment come, and when it does come, especially in the case of a Seth Rollins or a select few others, when they did cash in the Money in the Bank, it leads to a great pro wrestling moment. Yep. So I think Corbin um, loses this one. Nakamura goes over
2: in mm-hmm. a lackluster match. Um, Charlotte versus Becky versus Natalia versus Tamina versus Lana, five way elimination match. We just saw this on Raw, like on a regular Raw ass episode. So this being on pay per view is weird. But it's finally time for Charlotte to take the strap. This is where she came. She came to carry the belt. Naomi's done a good job, and I feel the glow, and the belt glowing is dope. But it's time for Charlotte to take her throne, man. Charlotte wins.
1: I agree. I was hoping you picked pick someone else to so we could have a tip. No, Charlotte, uh, it's SummerSlam dis- time. Some discourse here, absolutely. Ah, SummerSlam time. Charlotte's,
2: Charlotte's going to be in that picture. And I
1: think, I think honestly, out of the crop, she, she may be the best to hold that title.
2: I really she do. She be the best. I yeah. Mean, listen, like, Alexa I, Bliss is doing pretty well right now for herself. But no one's been a better main roster champion no than
1: Charlotte. No doubt. A lot of the, the, the hate in the golf Charlotte takes, I'll never understand. Because, what, are you going to say, like, you just don't like her, uh, whether what, was she? you didn't like her persona or as a heel? But if that's the case, that's the point. So I don't even know if you have an argument there. As I far as her, heel Charlotte. Exactly, as I far as her being not being good, neither do I. I think she's great. She's a
2: great heel. Yeah. Um, next up, Cena versus Rusev in a flag match. John Cena's going to win because John Cena's going to be yeah. fucking champion at SummerSlam. He's going to beat Jinder Mahal. Oops, I gave away my main event pick. He's going to beat Jinder Mahal and, you know, bring one back for the U.S. and make America great again. That's Cena's character, right? He better come out with a fucking red hat on yeah. during that and flip that into the crowd. Yeah, that, so. that, that, would, that would go well. <laughs> with the <laughs> actual print on it? Yeah, uh, yeah, with the actual uh, print. Uh, Listen, man, see that's, give him some
1: heat. Uh, um, yeah, but I think Cena beats Rusev. Whatever. Isn't it great to speak into that too? How like 10 years ago that that very like notion would have been so laughable because that man himself was legit in the in product. product. It, it, on the programming. And now you look at it after the fact and you crack a joke and they seem Trump and WWE are farther apart than they've ever been before. Oh, that shit's right. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's so crazy. He's on the network.
2: Yeah. Um. And the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that doesn't exist. After that, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. The true... Main event of the night. The Look United out. States Championship yes, right now is the best belt in the company. It holds the most weight. It has the best feud. This is going to be match of the night. Maybe match, I mean, damn, WWE match of the summer. It's the two that's, best workers in the company. Yes. this is the two best workers in company. Their first match the was good, but this is going to top it. They saved something. And if the feud goes into SummerSlam, I'm
1: also happy because that's going to be the best match in forever. And that is sometimes so crucial. Why was the John Cena, AJ Styles rematch at SummerSlam so good? Because in the initial match at Money in the Bank, they didn't throw everything on the table. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good to hold back a little bit, save some, see what you... You know, it's kind of like we were talking it's about in, Canelo, Triple G. It's There's in the more
2: coming. Yeah, it's in the esque yeah. where you build it. So that's why people say Tanahashi versus Okada, that feud is so amazing. Because every time they didn't go all... Like, every match was amazing, and then the next one was like, wait... They saved more, mm-hmm. and there's more psychology and more reversals, and they always have more up their sleeve. So it that's great. I think this is gonna be the match of the night. Of no course.
1: doubt. They're gonna tell an amazing story, and it's just there's something about watching a, like athletes like Styles and Owens in the ring, and they just stand out so much, and it's not just because of you know being great technical workers or the athleticism. It truly is the storytelling ability. You you feel like you're almost watching something more than just a professional wrestling match. You're watching something unfold in front of your very own eyes when you watch these two guys work. It truly is something special. Like it's almost more like it's not even at the point where it's I'm a fan, this is awesome, yay, you know, go go wrestling. No, it's more like you have to marvel the the craft and the art and just marvel at how talented these guys are at what they do and how they're able to consistently do it. Um,
2: Next up, the Usos versus New Day. I'm going to say the Usos win or they get disqualified and this blows off at SummerSlam because there's no other tag team to really threaten. American Alpha is done. There is no one else in SmackDown. I mean, I like Breezango and the Faction Police, but they're not ready. So the New Day capture the belt at SummerSlam. I think the Usos maintain the championships. Um, I think Xavier Woods wrestles in this match and takes the pit. So when you see Xavier Woods uh, lace up the boots mm-hmm. or the sneakers for this one, you know the New Day is going to lose. And I think that's what's going to
1: happen. Who do you have in that? I'm going to leave New Day. I'm going to go New Day because, damn it, we need a, di- we need a difference Change. here. And I could honestly, yeah, it may make more sense for them to to win at SummerSlam, but I could see them possibly winning here and then defending it at SummerSlam and then them blowing it off. They've done something like that yeah. before. What you And would, the belt probably does have to change. Exactly. It. What you point to may be a little more believable, but it wouldn't shock me if the New Day wins this one. However, that uh the Xavier um observation by you is interesting. Yeah. If he's I, working, saying, I work yeah. I mean, hey, I work for a sports gambling network. You know, I'm all about the trends and that that's a that's a hot trend. Right hot t- uh, <laughs> Jinder Mahal versus Randy
2: Orton Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal's winning. Yeah. There's no reason to have not. him lose. Yeah, you know? it's just it's You can't build is. this up just to have him lose in the damn Punjabi, Punjabi prison now. No, it's a Punjabi prison. It's it's his prison. Yeah. Randy Orton doesn't know shit about Punjabis. So Randy Orton's not winning. Um I'm glad because I'm tired of seeing Randy Orton. I just said it. he does nothing for me right now. He's not doing a damn thing. Blow off this feud. Have seen us started up heading into SummerSlam. You only get a three-week build or so. I don't care. Have Cena come and take that belt. And that's all we're asking for. So, Jinder Mahal, the Maharaja, yeah, love rules him. again, and do it in a dastardly way. Like him or not.
1: Have the same brothers, like, hold Randy Orton's legs or something. Like, yeah. Like him or not, it logically makes the most sense. And if you want to kind of flesh this out to where you can't have that big... Because uh, Cena winning the title, would that be... Which number would that be? 17. That, that would be the record-breaking. So, there yeah. you go. So if you wanted to flush it out and lead to that, that would, that would make a lot more sense than Randy Orton reclaiming the belt. Yes, so
2: that's it. That is WWE Battleground. That is the entire show. We ran long. I love it. That's what happens when we have Brett Lawson in the- <laughs> on the show. This is what we do, man. We talk sports. It's been way too long. So this is our catch-up episode. I'm glad you guys listened all the way through. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the corner, Alex said Me, at Kel Dansby.
1: Lawson, what's your tag? Brett Lawson LV. Oh, listen. Find all my, find all my content. i got to get the plug in here. Okay. Uh, Vsin.com. Vegas Stats and Information Network. We're the first full full-blown 24, well, soon to be 24-hour uh, sports gaming network based out of the South Point Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. catch us online at v- our simulcast on Vsin.com and all social media platforms and on SiriusXM, channel 204.
2: I like it. You got that rundown. see, I told you he was corporate. He's big timing <laughs> us. He's going to try and charge us like Virgil did to get on the podcast. Um, until next week, though, thank you guys for being here. We're out.
4: For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place, at exactly the right time. Visit grangercom slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.